Welcome to Talk That Talk. We have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about band, HBCU band culture, music, education, and more. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also find us on all social media networks at Real Talk That Talk. And now, let's start the show. All right, if you're just tuning in, welcome everybody to Talk That Talk, where we have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about music, music education, band, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure that you get those likes up. Uh, I see a lot of people coming in, man. Please make sure you smash that like button over to the YouTube page and make sure you subscribe to the network. Hey, speaking of that, man, I want to want to take time to actually thank all us, our subscribers, man. We've only been doing this for about a month and a half, man, and, I, and I'm really happy we're, we're almost to uh 100 subscribers man we've only been doing that for a, uh, a month and a half and we almost up to 100 subscribers so i definitely want to say appreciate all of you guys who've been subscribing and checking out the content uh numbers are continuously going up and we want to continue to push all of this information forward so if you know somebody if you haven't if you haven't shared it yet share it out please make sure that you get over to the youtube page tell them to go ahead and subscribe to the network all hey right. Jude, before we get before we get going man i'm looking at the comments man can i just address two things first of all Y'all see in the comments, my boy, Kari White. Kari White has been the one that's been helping me, man, with my weight loss journey. And I've lost 30 pounds working with that brother. And, yeah, I know. Yeah, y'all can have that. Yeah, y'all. That's my chapter, brother. Oh, he's six. He's right. six. That's my chapter. Yeah, yeah that's my chapter, yeah, Kari, brother. Yeah, Kari, man. I've known Kari for over 20 years, bro. That's my man. So, Kari, man, thank you, bro, for save, helping me save my life, first of all. And then, B, being a great friend for 20 years, man. And then... Y'all see that crucial conflict? Y'all already know what it is. O two, I, right? That's a that's it. You can continue now. <laughs> All right. So here we go uh, with the first topic. Um, I'm gonna keep it real simple. Let's see how how good we get. Uh, matter of fact, I I, I I thought about this topic, man. I want to say appreciate. Um, my chapter bro man eddie meet me on the 50 man he he actually kind of put this up uh and so i, I kind of want to dive into this for a second stands versus field shows and why stands versus field shows and why since can we start with walter because he and he hey look, I, look I was about to say since walter, walter, yes go ahead and, and walter <sighs> kick us okay I'm on the fence, honestly. Um, being from born in the swag, from the swag, um, knowing how important to us a zero and a fifth is, I'm on the fence because <clears throat> also being a part of the storm and you know, dance routines was our thing, and I was on dance routine committee, and so I can appreciate a good field show um, for sure. I think when it comes to stands versus field, you're looking at who are you, who is your target, right? Like who is your audience? And if we're talking about the general public, they don't give a fuck about your, your zero or your fifth because they they probably not going to get there early enough to see zero. And I'm sorry, can I curse on here? Okay. Yeah, they, 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 they don't care about your zero and they're not going to stay for that fifth. They want to see that halftime show. So if we're talking about general audience, um, I'm definitely going to say halftime. And I think field shows for sure. I haven't watched a lot of MEAC this year, but I know field shows for sure in the swag are lacking. Um, and we are focusing more on, you know, the stance. Now, 
let's be real. We getting some bangers out of these stands. <laughs> like we are. And we getting some, we're finally getting some musicality when it comes to a lot of people's fifths. Um, so I, I've taken note of that versus, you know, back in, back when I marched, you know, we was the zero and the fifth was real ratchet. You know what I'm saying? Like you did, you just started getting maybe later into my career where Southern started pulling out the beyonds and stuff, but yeah, it was, it was real ratchet for the zero and the fifth. So I'm kind of on the fence. It depends on your target goal, which I feel like you should focus on both. Everybody should be your target goal. All right. <clears throat> Stands versus field shows and why? Maya. Are we talking about preference? No, I just want to be clear. Are you on mute? There we go. I'm leaning. Yeah, my, my mouse was messing up. Anyway, uh, I'm really more or less looking at preference, but I'm also going to actually kind of twist it just a little bit by saying not just preference, but actually what is now reigning supreme as well. I mean, reigning supreme would definitely be the stands. Is that my preference? No. I think that the preference is and always been, should be the field show in itself because I think that that's where you surely exemplify talent, musicality. I think that's when the personality of the band is, it, it, it has this ability to truly shine. And I mean, that's just what the culture is. That's just what HBCU bands or just bands in general have always been known for. The stands is just an extra, right? And especially, it, it's so interesting. I'm not sure if it's because, especially in a swag, the way that the hour, or not hours, the way that the rules and stuff have been integrated into the game itself, that makes it more like hyped up that when the band does play, it's all eyes because you don't consistently hear bands battling across the field from the whole game. I don't know if maybe that has something to do with it. But in terms of overall, I think the field show shouldn't always be the preference. Now, the thing is, I mean, everybody has slapped up on that. And I do think it's because when you look at videos or when you look at whomever, people have gradual, gradual excuse me, gravitated towards the stands or the fifth or the zero quarter because that's when you really get to be quote unquote intimate. That's when you can really, you know, talk shit. That's when you can really like quote unquote get into it. Now, is that the right thing or not? Not necessarily. I think both are very important. But I do think that we've been definitely slacking on the field show side. And I think that we've become complacent in that area in which now it's just like, hey, okay, black man marched across the field, drill, dance routine, band dance routine, maybe a ballad in the middle, march off, let's get back to the stands. I mean, I, I don't know, until somebody is willing to shake that, that pattern up, and maybe give some new spice to it and give a new look at the field show. It's always going to be second. And I'm speaking in terms of the masses. I'm not speaking in terms of personal preference. But I mean, yeah. Um, mm. All right, band, or excuse me, stands versus field shows, and why, Rick? First off, I'm gonna give a shout out to my rookie sister Joy. I see you on here. What's going on, Joy? But um. For me, I think it's 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 directly affected by something we've talked about many times on the show. Because of the lack of innovation in HBCU band culture, when it comes to field shows, people don't want to keep seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Like Maya just said, we already know what the structure of the show is going to be. 
you may not know what the charts are. You may not know, you know, what the drill is, like whatever, but you know exactly what you're about to see. You know, you know, there's going to be a, a, a whack dance. I'm sorry. Y'all know how I feel about dance routines. But anyway, there's going to be a dance routine in there. Uh, some better than others. I'll leave it there. There's going to be, um, you know, the same design. So I think if bands were more uh, innovative in the way that they program uh, shows, I think it would be better. So that's number one. I mean, and you think about it, bands are actually having to plan for one another in the stands now. So that's where all the creativity is. So I'll give you a prime example. Example: Walter bought up Beyond from uh, Southern at the end of his marching career. I am absolutely, and I know all the Southern people going to probably try to crucify me in the comments, whatever. I am absolutely of the thought that Southern programmed those type of songs because they knew they were playing us at PV. For sure. So For they sure. were like, okay, this band, like, because Walter's like our first year there with y'all in 12, when we came in 13 and, and after that, it was already out in the swag. Okay, PV ain't just coming to play the loud game. PV coming to, we're going to hit these ballots on you. We can't hit them rap daddies with you. Yeah, we're smaller than you, but we're going to be like we used to call A&T, the small band with the big sound. And that was what built PV that you see today. So I, it allows bands to be creative. And I think that's the reason why so many people put so much effort into the fifth quarter. Now, last, lastly, because I don't want to be long-winded with this because y'all have already made a lot of great points. I think the fifth quarter is also exposing the deficiencies in a lot of bands. Because these arrangements are poo cheese. I'm sorry, man. It is some bad arranging going out there from arrangement techniques to actual song selection like i'm sorry just because something is your favorite song don't mean it should be written for band and i'm gonna give you a prime example and this ain't nothing against the ocean because i think brian simmons is doing a great job with that band program i think he's moving them in the right direction but that lucky day that they played in the fifth quarter against southern is just not a good band song so that to me when you have bad songs that aren't good band songs that's an instant ale and in my opinion, over the last couple of years, every L that PV has taken was because of song selection. Everyone. Because don't nobody sound better than PV. Not one band in the SWAC sounds better than PV. Sorry. I don't care what y'all say. All you kings out there can kiss my ass. Don't nobody sound better than PV. But a lot of bands program better than PV. And plan better for fifths than PV. And I and that's something I've talked to, you know, a couple of people about. It's it's something that the band band world has evolved to. And I think everybody has to do a better job of playing the game. So that's it. Go ahead, Walt. I think another thing that you were talking about, um, as far as these arrangements is I think now when when you say bands are planning for that fifth, I think bands are now trying to get out so much content, so much music, so many songs that we're losing the content in the songs. And uh, I'm going to hit on, and as much as I love PV, I'm going to hit on an issue that I had with us in the fifth versus Graham this year. Mm -hmm. um, you start, you could hear in the arrangement that some of, some of the spots in the arrangement were empty because the kids just weren't playing the arrangement. It was, it was not on the arrangement or yeah. the arranger. It was the, because parts of the song they didn't know. 
And I charge that to us trying to be so ready for a zero or us trying to be so ready for a fifth that we're losing the musicality. We're losing the, you know, what's important. The most important thing, I mean, we when we was at PV, my notice, when we was at PV, we could play 10 songs, but we was going to know them damn 10 songs and we was going to play them like we've been playing them damn 10 songs every time we hit Hobart. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a lot of bands are losing that. And it's not, it's not so much on the arrangement now. Some of these arrangements are poo cheese, yeah. but I don't think it's always on the arrangement. I think it's on the kids. You know, we focus on trying to put out 30 songs a week and not knowing them 30 songs when they leave the band room. Because when I left PV, Walter, we had a 77-song book. But you ain't ain't no way in hell you're going to play 77 songs in any game. Never. If you got a strong 15 for a game, trust me, ain't nobody going to be able to see you. And you damn, they're not playing seventy-seven in the season. So it's, it's Walter, man. I think you touched on a lot of good things, bro. Like you had this killing arrangement that be. I mean, it's got everything in it. It's got the high notes and the baritones people like. It's got soaring mellophone parts that are cross voice, even though that's a bad technique. But anyway, we're gonna leave that alone. Um, y'all used to yell at me all the time because I used to hate that shit. But anyway, um, your arrangement may be excellent. But because the band, like you said, don't know what man, it just comes up. And then what's the first thing people do, Walt? And uh, that Wayne was trash. Man, and I, trash. And I, <laughs> I, I give it to Hop. He wrote the shit out of that. Uh, that Chloe uh, Bailey. That Chloe man. Yeah, no. he wrote it. It was just they didn't play it. Like it, it was It fell apart like right before the bridge. And I was like, y'all got like like this is the things that you got to pay attention to. You know what I'm saying? Like especially if you know, like we've never been just a, a hell of a fifth band. You know, I mean, we've had we've had fifth like great ass fifths before, yeah. but we we're not known as a fifth band. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, those songs that you pass out, know know those songs and focus on those songs. If y'all want to see a good PV fifth, okay. the one in the rain against Alcorn. That, that was good. that was good. that was an hour long fifth, and we that was, was in that was a fun fifth, bro. That, yes. that was that was a good fifth. All right, uh, Maya, any final thoughts? I agree. <laughs> you should have told me. You gotta, you gotta let me know because all right, there we go. You're supposed to feel it. You're supposed to already know when it's coming. Hey, I don't, I don't, hey, I, I'm doing 15 things over here, man. I, hey, my bad. No, I feel you. Hey, boy, my rookie class is on here tonight. We had Joy earlier, now my rookie sister Robin on here. What's going on, Robin? Oh, look at that. Bringing the family. 2000. You already know. Okay. The Legion wouldn't be the Legion without 2000. That was a great year. That was a great year for y'all. Uh, oh, uh, okay. Anyway. We're talking about, we talking about Phil Show first, Mr. Stans. Phil Show. We can talk about that later. We can talk about that later. Okay. All right. If you if you just if you just joined it in, welcome everybody to talk that talk. We have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about music, music education, band, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure that you get these likes up. I see a lot of people coming in here, man, and I appreciate you coming in here and showing all this love, man. But please make sure you get those likes up. Click that like button, all right? It don't take long to click a button. Also, please make sure you go over to the YouTube page. If you're watching this on Facebook, go over to the YouTube page, subscribe to the network. Go over to the YouTube page, subscribe to the network. All right, here we go. Next topic. Um, I was going to do this. You know what? I'm going to do it the way that I wanted to do it. All right. 
I don't know if anybody has seen this, but let's look at this very quick. Got to make sure I pull it up. You want to make sure nothing inappropriate come up. No, we good. <laughs> All right. Let's look at it. Let me know if you can hear. Yeah, we can hear. Can't see it. That's all I'm that's all I'm gonna get. All right. That was Livingstone College. I'll say it again. That was not a middle or high school program. Mm -hmm. That was Livingstone College. So here's the question. Because based on that, I had to ask this question. What makes an effective leader? and or band director what makes an effective leader and or band director rick with a band that small i think they have an effective leader because it looks to me that and sounds to me that that man put as many people on the field he could just to have a band or woman i'm sorry the leader of that band put as many people just to have a band obviously they're having an issue with recruitment with the band being that small. I didn't say they were a good leader. I said effective. <laughs> so I'm, I didn't say it was good. I, I, that never came out of my mouth. But what I'm saying is a lot of people don't know the struggles that band directors go through with trying to put a band on the field. And then in the time of COVID makes it even more difficult. So I'm going to start there. What makes an effective leader and a band director is knowing your what the extents of what you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and building upon your weaknesses by putting people in place on your staff that accommodate those weaknesses that you may have. So if I know that I am an expert at, I don't know, uh, pedagogy, I can make my band sound great, but I'm not great at marching or whatever, then my assistant director or the students that I empower in my band will be the students that are good at that particular thing. So knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are as a leader and a band director and moving them forward. Um, but my that, that clip, man, it just highlights so many things. And a lot of my what my frustration has been with our culture, man. We all went to HBCUs on here. 
And yeah, it's going to be easy to blame that on man director, uh, students, uh, whatever, man. But the fact of the matter is you have to set your band up for success. And if they're not doing that as a leader, that's the second part. Knowing your limitations as a band. I, I shouldn't probably be playing that extensive of an arrangement of Boogie Wonderland or In the Stone. Maybe I pick something that I know my band can do at a high level, a lot more unison with a small band like that. You know, things that are effective. There's a lot of music, but that requires people to be creative, which is the last part. Just don't see a lot of creative leaders and band directors anymore. They are comfortable doing the same thing just to pick up that check that and moving on. So I've, I know a lot of bands that are that size. I know high schools that sound better than that. So I, that's just, it's a disservice to them stu to those students and it's a disservice to that university, man. That was, that was bad. Sorry. All right. Maya, what makes an effective leader and or band director? I mean, I think Brown made very good points. Um, if I had to sum it up, I would say knowledge and willingness, right? And maybe that's an umbrella for all those things. Willingness to say, well, the knowledge to know exactly who you are as a band, who is in your band and their capabilities, their talent and their functionality. But then the willingness to be okay with saying I have a particular vision. And sometimes, you know, we may be small, but sometimes we have to go backwards before we go forward, right? So if you have to, just like we did in, in 12, sometimes we got to weed out a couple of people to kind of get that holistic vision and that mindset integrated so that we can push forward. Um, I mean, that, that would honestly be what I would have to add. Again, I think Brown did a phenomenal job of being able to hash out everything. I'm sorry. I've been looking at these comments and it's kind of taking me for a loop. Um, but yeah, um, knowledge and willingness, the willingness to invest in your program and being able to kind of grow from the bottom up. But the knowledge to be able to accept what you have and know that sometimes you have to, to stay where you are. I know that we want to compete. We always want to be able to, to do what is getting housed, do what it seems to be appealing. But I mean, if your band cannot quote unquote handle that until you get them to that point, it, it, it does not behoove one to be able to put yourself in that type of circumstance, because I think that you're just, you're making it for a larger and larger issue until you go back and fix it. All right. Well, what makes an effective leader and or band director? Uh, I definitely agree with everything that's been said already. Uh, I'll go with Rick on on the fact that I wouldn't have picked those those songs for that band. I would have definitely like you you will you will not pick Boogie Wonderland for a band like that. I would have definitely picked Cold Hearted Snake or something like that. Some with a whole bunch of quarter notes. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, you definitely have to know, and, and we've seen it, right? Um, you see directors, uh, especially in the SWAC will rearrange a song that they've been playing for years and they'll rearrange it for the band that they have that year. So you definitely have to know, you know, your, the quality that you have in the program, but <clears throat> I'm gonna go a step further and say that an, as an effective leader or band director, um, along with knowing the talent you got to know your students as well and sometimes you got to listen to your students um you know you can't be or i feel like you're not an effective leader if you just be like 
all of this shit is going to run how I want to run it. And I don't really care what the kids in the program think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's got to be a give and take, a push and pull, especially when you're dealing with, I feel like when you're dealing with young adults versus kids. Okay. That actually, you saying that, that actually made me think of another thought. I'm going to just throw this one out here. Um, Cause I know that I'm, I'm just going to keep it 100. That band sounds terrible. Uh, as a university program, that is massively unacceptable. Uh, and I know that we had this conversation once before uh, when it came to Dale State and the last the last thing that they put out that we saw. Uh, and I will continuously say, you know, anybody who is from from Livingston uh, or or anything like that. Hey, come and chop it up. Let's talk about it. Let's let's have a conversation about, you know, it may be some struggles that is happening that we just don't know about. I don't know. You know, because I do know and Rick knows as a director, yeah, there are a lot of things that we have to deal with, but still 100 percent that's unacceptable uh, for a university program. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Walt, you brought up something. And I just kind of want to throw it out there, though. Can any of that be put on the students? Can any of that performance be put on the students? Uh, anybody can go for that one. I think you need to know talent level, man. Like, obviously, those students aren't at the the exceptional talent level where they would have gone to a, a school. I mean, I know I take that back. I don't want to be disrespectful to these people because I don't know them. Obviously, that stuff was out of the range of those students, like Walter was saying, picking the wrong music. Uh, we got the Kings in here. Oh, my God. These, I guess uh, we can get to that in a second. Young man, you ain't living with no blind followers in here. We actually have our own minds and musical abilities. So sorry that we don't agree that y'all are the kings of everything. We can get to that early. We can get to that later. Yeah, but no, I, that's, that's, it's good. But anyway, um, yeah, man, I think that that band has a talent level that is at a certain level, you know, there may be some guys that are above that. And there may be some people that are playing the instrument they're playing for the first time. So they're below that. So I think as a good leader, you put you right in the middle of that so that your people that are great players aren't bored, you know, while also writing at a level where a person's developing an amateur for the first time or doing all these things that we, you know, make up a great musician, you know, they're able to meet those goals or have something to reach for. So I don't think that's on the students because I wouldn't, like Walter said, I wouldn't put something in front of the students. I know they can't play. Obviously, that arrangement wasn't accessible. I'm not going to tell a, a dance line to go out there and do those little rotation ones on one foot by, I don't know what it's called, so you can yell at me later. But go out there and do that if I know they don't have the technique to be able to do that the correct way. And I think that's a, I think that's a challenge. I mean, I so – Damn, I was gonna say it again, just off the top. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, but so I agree with you to a certain extent. Now, do I think it's on the kids per se? I think that's where your section leaders and your leadership is within the band comes into play, right? So who spends the most time with a particular section? The section leader. The section leader should know the capabilities of whom is in their section. And I think that that also backtrack that comes to the rapport that's built between leadership executive leadership or band directors and the staff as well as the section leaders themselves to be able to say like hey 
okay, I see which, let's kind of figure this out. I don't think that my section can hit this, this, that, and the third. Or what if we kind of mix this up? Where's the potential? Where's the, where are the areas of opportunity, right? So like you were saying, in terms of dancers or whomever, I know, I knew what my section was capable of. There is a difference between pushing to and challenging and just throwing us all in, in, in the trash can or like throwing us all to the dirt, right? I know what we're capable of. I know the, what can be worked on, but also if I say everybody about to do 15 backflips, I can't even do that. So, you know what I'm saying? So I think that there is some accountability, but I think that that coincides with the rapport and the relationship and those feeling comfortable enough to be able to have those difficult conversations with band leadership to be able to fill figure out in terms of the vision overall, sure, it comes from the top down, but how are we all going to effectively make this happen? Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, I'm going to say it's a balance between the both um, because you definitely, you know, as a section leader, um, you know, and, and Julie and Rick, y'all know we came to y'all a couple of times. If we got a song, it was like, yeah, this ain't, this don't, this don't sound like, it should leave in a band hall. We just, we not going to play this. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's a balance there. So, you know, you definitely have to look at it from, from that point of view as well. And if you're a good student leader, um, I don't think that you would want something like that leaving your band hall. Okay. Dope. I agree. Oh, dang it. I said it. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm look okay, so a section leader can't fix. Hey, stop looking at the comments. Well, because I will comment on that. But I, yeah, because I I I, 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 I mean I feel you, but I think that that also I don't know what type of band program that you are. That's why familiar that's with why or I, where you march, but as a section leader, it's not a dictatorship. It comes with knowing who is in your section and how to develop them. Sure, you can have practice and things of that nature, but that also goes to what I said in terms of challenging your section to their capabilities and to their next level and the progression of their talent in itself. But then knowing that, okay, we on a level five, I can't get you to a level 12 in a week. Let's be realistic about the situation. So I think, well, at least that's what we do in our band, right? Everybody that's in my section is a grown ass person as well. They have their own minds and things of that nature. What you do outside of this room, we rehearse in here. You practice on your own time. However, I'm going to support you and I'm also going to push you to the next limit without being on your head and saying, oh, you a poo ass nigga. Well, and, not, and on top of that, Maya, the fact that the matter is when you're put into a section leader position, you are a teacher. That is your job as a section leader. Agreed. You are, an, you are an extension of the band director. So that is an opportunity for you to hone your teaching skills. Right. At so many schools, being a section leader is cussing people out. Necking people at some schools. Let's not act like that's that's going away overnight because it hasn't. Sure. Has All these things that are not educational. So you can't expect somebody in that particular way. I don't think that's what this brother is talking about, though. I think what he's saying is, is the other side of it, which is there needs to be more investment from those people that know that they aren't accomplishing at that level to do more work on their own. Sure. But, that, but then the other side of that is this, and I know everybody on here can can feel me on this. That requires the band director to plan more effectively for a rehearsal. Ain't no band in this country should be in the band room at one o'clock in the morning. You should be programming your, your rehearsals and planning your rehearsals that plan an hour of sectional time or 
uh, uh, rehearsal time, individual part, whatever that may be. But we have so many directors that think the only way to make your band better is to do it over and over. And I think that's I think that's a, another conversation altogether. So I'll throw it back to you, June. But I think this man, this is a really interesting, interesting conversation. Yeah, no, I, I did that one on purpose. <laughs> All right, uh, but we got to move on because we got two more topics. Uh, so we're gonna put a pause on that. If we want to talk about that later, uh, we definitely can bring that up once we start it. Once, once we open up the phone line. So for those of you guys who are in the comments who definitely want to go back and talk about some of these things, we're gonna open up the phone lines for you to come in and, and have a conversation with us. All right, all right. If you're just coming in, welcome everybody to Talk That Talk, where we have the unfiltered, uncomfortable, unscripted conversation about music, music education, band, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure that as soon as you come in, you hit, you hit that like button, smash the like button. Whether you like what we're talking about or not, go ahead and hit the like button, because you know why it don't take that long. So let's get these likes up, right? Also, please make sure that you go over to the uh, YouTube page and subscribe to the network. Uh, I want to continue to say this. We got a lot coming up, so I want to make sure that everybody is on top of that and also turn on those notifications. All right, here we go. Here's the next topic. Uh, I I kind of want to bring this back to this dancers thing. Uh, fellas, y'all still going to have to put y'all input on here, so be ready for it. All right, here we go. Are we selling dance or selling sex? Are we selling dance or selling sex. I saw Walt. I saw Walt move quick on this one. I'm gonna go ahead and get to you, Walt. Go ahead. Are we selling dance or are we selling sex? Sex. Sex sales. We are selling sex. I let me tell you. I <clears throat> do pay attention to the dancers every now and again. Um, and and this goes back. I, let me tell you who actually got me to paying attention to dancers. It's that young lady right there on the camera, because. We literally used to, I mean, because we, you know, we was cool. We used to, like, I would hear Maya talking about, oh, she didn't do this right, or this turn went on point, or this, this. And I think back then, it was more so of less risque, I guess. Um, as I see these bands and these dance lines today, um, we're selling sex. We're, we're selling now, now. Is that what people want to see? I mean, sex sales. And when I was a young man in the band, that's definitely what I wanted to see. But as a as a as an adult, as a full grown adult, I'm looking at at it like these are these are these are people's daughters. And sometimes I I think they can get over sexualized, or people look at them for a and 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 of course the dance world is its own world, and. You know, a lot of people are paying attention to the technique or the counts they throw on or whatever. But you do have that flip side of the coin that they look in to see, you know, how how the uniform is going to be tight and how many times they're going to be in over and how many, you know, how 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 sexy can you go from the your ankle to your neck? You know what I'm saying? Like it's happening. All right, she knows coming, Maya. I was going to go last. Okay, fine, fine. Rick, are we selling dance or are we selling sex? I think we're selling both. Um, I think we sell aspects of sex. So let's let's look at it from like the base level. Like it's just facts. You know, let's, let's look at facts. Usually dance lines are your more in-shape, attractive women. So as men, 
you know, without even thinking about the aspect of what they do. If you see an in shape, beautiful woman, naturally, that's where your mind is going to go as a man. So that's number one. All right. That's just facts. Number two, because these women are in shape, they are. And in some cases, you know, we can talk about that, whatever. But because they are in shape, they are able to wear things that people are that aren't in shape um, can't. I mean, because at the end of the day, they're wearing versions of, you know, ballroom or uh, kick line or, you know, whatever that may be, versions of those type of outfits. So that's facts. Number two. Number three, as entertainers, we're going to always look for that edge over somebody else, you know, and that edge may be the way, you know, they do, like Walter said, the different counts up to from your neck to your leg, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, schools are always looking for entertainment. But we can't affect, we can't, uh, we can't make people feel a certain way because we go out there. There are dance lines that go out there that absolutely just want to showcase technique. I know that was Sean's um, train of thought with the Foxes. I know that was Miss Howard's train of thought because Miss Howard wanted women that looked like they were like showgirls, like like real thin. The thinner the better. That was her thing. Best in boy bodies. Right. So for me, I think it's a combination of both. I think the two, there's an intersection with the two when you talk about when I go to a football game and there's drunk people in there. You know, that's true. <laughs> that's true, too, brother. All of them are not in shape, but I'm talking about just traditionally, you know. But I think and to even address that, times have changed, y'all. You can't tell a girl she can't be in the the dance line no more because she's a little heavier. You can't tell these guys no more that they can't be in the dance line because they're a guy. The world has changed. I know as as HBCU graduates or members for some of us, we don't want to hear that, but we're going to have to eventually bend to what's happening in society, too. It's going to touch us, too. So I think there's I think there's an intersection there, Julian, where I think we're selling both. I think we're selling the, the thought of sex. But I think that a lot of these dance lines are really putting on showcase their technique. And it's, it's fun to see, you know, the different styles and stuff like that. So. Right, and she better not say I agree either. <laughs> Why can I agree? But so there, there's so many things to unpack, right? So, yes, I think we're absolutely doing both. If we're just, but to break it down, right? So, dancers aren't wearing anything that gymnasts aren't wearing. Now, if you want to talk about body shape and and how that is packaged, sure, that is a different conversation. Um, but we're definitely selling sex in the sense of the movements themselves or the portrayal of the art form in itself. Right. So if you listen, you put on secret garden or whomever, I'm about to get in this bag and go ahead and perform these counts. And I'm going to make you feel it because at that point I'm doing my job, right? I'm doing a job and it is to bring movement to the sound. Right. And if you got these slow, sexy, whatever sounds, it just kind of goes with it. But in a sense, can you take it further? Back in my original days, right, when Dr. Shirai was still there, there was a reason why we could not wear certain things. There was a reason why we could not wear leotards that did not have anything in the front or the back. It was either pick one or the other. There was a reason why we couldn't hump or buck or do what all the other 
lines were doing because she didn't want us to be looked at in that particular way. And it was portrayed under the eye of the Rockette, which is supposed to be very tall, very lean, very long, very showgirl. However, as things have began to change, like Wall said, sex does sell. Now, the thing is, I think that we all have something to do with over-sexualizing, right? So when I'm scared to go home or I'm scared to go to Houston because all these people know me and they expect for me to sit there and do a sexy A-count for them while I'm at the grocery store or, you know, something like I can't live my own life because what you portray me as when I'm in a particular uniform, when I'm quote-unquote at work, that's a whole different story. So I think that's where it gets a little dangerous and a little, you know, whomever. But I do think that men, women, whomever should be able to understand the difference between this is an entertainment factor and, oh, I'm trying to take her home or, oh, she got her dancing for me. That's for me. No, no, sir. You need to put it on up. And I think that that's where we kind of get a little bit far fetched. Now, I cannot lie. Some of the stuff is getting a little like if the line is here, we some of the stuff, even I'd be like, okay, I don't know if I would have let my team do that or if I would have done it in this particular way. But that is, quote, unquote, what is acceptable in these days until no one is giving that praise, until nobody is giving those particular movements or dances or whomever house. It's like, this is what's selling. This is what the people like. Now we got to push the issue, push the issue, push the issue. So it's only going to continue to grow and get worse because that is what is attractive in this day and age. So are we absolutely selling it? Yes, but I say, I still say yes, but we're selling dance in the sense of we have seen the progression of dance lines from, I can only speak to my time, from 2010 up until now, right? So being able to implement those those variations of technique, um, posture, um, kicks, splits, jumps, all those different things, that is, it's not secondary. That is more of a primary need to be able to make a dance line. So in that way, yes, we're selling dance as opposed to sex, but there's definitely a heavy portion of sex that comes along with it just naturally. You put anybody in a bodysuit or half naked or whatever, I mean, it just is what it is. It is what it is. All right, I'm um, I'm gonna throw a curveball though, right? So a lot of us are only speaking from the HBCU perspective. A lot of these high school girls and high school lives are watching these same things. And so now we're talking about somebody's 16-year-old, 17-year-old daughter, you know, on one of these high school lines. So then I can still ask the question, what are we selling? Because now you have to remember there's a lot of media coverage on these high school girls now. So what is your thoughts coming from that perspective? Anybody can go with that one. At that point, I think we're selling sex. For sure. Because so, and sometimes I can't tell the difference. For sure. Unless I know exactly what team I'm looking at. These, these high school dance lines have gotten so, quote unquote, grown. Now, the thing is, a lot of these girls who were in these HBCU or these uh, college dance lines are going back and becoming the new directors of whom or whomever that's over these lines. So what you only teach from the perspective of what you know, right? Mm -hmm. And also just in general, kids are growing up so much faster than they used to. I mean, from the bodies to the attitudes to the wigs to the makeup to the whatever, everybody wants to keep up with the Joneses because right now that is what is getting the attraction. 
So absolutely, they're going to try and keep up because the high schools have always been modeled after the college teams. So if they're doing that and you have directors who are willing to, to, to let that happen or even still willing in the sense that that's all that's in their wheelhouse, that's all they know, of course. Now, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like if I was in high school in this day and age, I don't know if I would would or would not feel comfortable or if it just wouldn't be a second thought to me because that's all I know. They're only doing quote unquote all they quote unquote know and have seen. So in this day and age, when it comes to minors, you're definitely putting them on a, a, a standpoint for sex because if it even comes to the outfits, I've seen some outfits that we weren't even allowed to wear when I was in, in, in school in, in college, right? Some stuff that I've seen like, damn, like now that's what you call sexy. And baby girl, that's only what 15 years old, 16 years old, or whatever the case may be. So that's a uh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, you know, and it just honestly it makes me think like how do we how do we still do quote unquote what we do when you're talking about when a lot of you guys have basically said it's pretty basically both on the HBCU level, right? But how do we do what we you know do and still find a way to, to protect these young ladies and protect our daughters if now we're saying on the high school level it is selling sex, right? It comes so, from the from. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Maybe it's something I feel passionate about. I think it just comes from the leadership. So, if your director has placed a mentality or placed a vision, you're either going to align yourself with it, or you're not going to be on that line. What is allowed is going is going to be what what continues. So, until somebody puts a stop or reels it back or whomever, then that's fine. But the thing is, you also have the parents, the band boosters, whomever who be right there with like, you better get it. All that. So it's like, well, this is what is acceptable until somebody pulls it back and say, no, this is not what we're my, doing in my program. My, now, my, my, my. do that again real quick. That, I just want to say all of that. Now, would Dean Hill have left that in his program? Would Miss Evelyn Forte Jones have left that in their, in their program? No, but that's because they saw a particular vision and they saw their program in a particular light and they weren't no matter what's getting house on the outside, they don't care because this will in this house this is what we do. But I mean, my, but Maya, you touched on it, and I, I, I mean, I, this is the un, the uncut conversation, y'all. So I'm just gonna go there, and I know this is gonna rub people the wrong way, but I'm, I, it's got to be said. When you see them babies out there walking, like I, I think of that video of them girls with the fans doing that sexy walking, all that stuff in high school. What do you see around them? A bunch of grown black women. Get it, girl. Get it. So if you got these black women supporting this stuff, I don't see no dads out there saying, look at my baby. Look at my baby. I see a bunch of black women around these girls supporting this behavior. So that calls into question what our focus is as a community. Are we okay with our babies? Because that's what these people are. These are babies out there. Doing what, like you said, my what they see the J Sess and doing the J Sess are grown as women. When they go home, they going home to an apartment or a dorm room. You going home to your mama house. <laughs> I think there's it, it just boils my blood, man. And Julian, I, think, I guess you're trying to cause an issue today, man, with these questions. When we with the overly sexualization of our people in general, and that's boys too. You know what I'm saying? Because 
we'll sit up here as a black community, man. We'll lose our mind with the with the sexualization of, of other by other communities, but then we'll turn around and do it to ourselves. So I think it's I think it's I think it's no black women are to blame, but yeah, I mean look at the videos. And I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna agree with you, Rick. Um, yeah. and I and, and and her comment, I don't I don't think it's just black women, it's parents in general. Um, you know, when I when I was coming up, when I, when we was coming through the band, you know, I I projecting on my future, I was like, Man, if I had a daughter, I would love her for her to be on the dance line. Now looking at that shit, I'd be damned that <laughs> my nieces could never, you know what I'm saying? Like, just because it's become so so sexualized, like it's become like kids are doing things that kids should not be doing, and let's just call it spade a spade. Like they shouldn't the, these dances, these these counts, they should not be that sexy for middle school and high school girls. They just shouldn't, and and that's on parents and sponsors and coaches and whoever. That that's on the the community as a whole. Yeah, I think it's a conversation, man. I think it's a community conversation. I think it's bigger than band. And I think band is just a subset of this conversation. So it's something that we might have to come back to in the future, man, because. Oh, you you already yeah. know I'm, I'm, I'm always going to find a different way to, to bring up the conversation. It's always going to happen. Yeah. All right. But uh, we're about to get into this last topic. Uh, after we do the last topic, everybody who's watching, I'm going to put the link in the description so you guys can call in and have a conversation with us. All right. So if you just joining us, welcome everybody to Talk That Talk, where we have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about band, HBCU band culture, music, music education, and more. Please make sure that as soon as you come in, you hit that like button, all right? Let's get these likes up. Let's get these likes up. All right, I see a lot of people coming in. I appreciate you, uh, the love you're showing, but show me some love by go ahead and clicking that like button, all right? Also, go over to the YouTube page, subscribe to the network. Please make sure you subscribe to the network and turn on notifications, all right? Here's the last topic. Is it disingenuous to have band directors who don't look like the students? Is it disingenuous mm. to have band directors who don't look like the students? Uh, why are you haven't started one yet? Have you? No. So why stop making that face? You be all right. Indeed. I don't remember when you started one. All right. I think I no. Rick, you got it. Uh no. I, I did I don't think so. Because I think that if if you ask it that way, I think that conversation goes both ways. Right? Because if we're looking at it from the standpoint of like a white person being a band director at a black high school or a black college, they can look at it the same way as one of us teaching at a predominantly white institution. So I think it's, I think there has to be context to how you ask, ask the question, you know, because if they're teaching good musicianship and they're putting great shows on the field, you know, they're a good band director and there are schools out there. I think that they should have people around them that are able to communicate the experiences of the people that are in the band with them, you know, that they may not be able, like there are a lot of white band directors that have predominantly black bands that were put in some weird positions with uh, all these things that happened with the death of George Floyd. Cause then there was a conversation started that they were not able to have an educated conversation about cause they don't know the lived experience of black people. So from that standpoint, like I said, I think there has to be content, it depends. Cause 
The fact of the matter is there's a lot of uh, people that are band directors of either race and the student body may be different that are doing an amazing job, you know, but, you know, I think there has to be a, a place where if you don't know the experiences of those people in your band, you are able to educate yourself otherwise. And this is not just about race. You know, a lot of the conversation now around sexuality in these band programs is starting to become huge, you know, from the way you identify people. People wanting to be identified by their the gender that they choose, not the one that they were assigned at birth. That's a conversation that a lot of HBCUs, um, I, I don't know if they're having them or not. I know I have had to have those conversations as a band director. And that was new for me coming from an HBCU to, you know, where I am now, because we just weren't having those conversations. Yes, there were gay members of our band. Yes, there were uh, trans members of our band. But we never had the conversations. My pronoun is this. You know, I don't even know that if that's on, you know, initial paperwork when students go into bands now. What's your pronoun? So I think it's a larger conversation, but I think it's it's all about educating yourself on the, like Walter said earlier, knowing your students and the needs of your students. And if you can do that, man, there's no, I don't think there's a such thing as a band director has to look like their student body. I don't, I don't think that that's the case at all. And then I guess the last part I'll say is, you know, I've marched, I've marched drum corps and taught drum corps for a long time. I was always one of the only black people out there always one of the only ones and i represented my blackness the, the, as much as i could you know i was a i was a soloist every year i marched and i was black i went to norfolk state i was one of the only people from an hbcu in the group so i think that there is a happy medium so i'll leave it there all right maya now you second there you go is it disingenuous to have band directors who don't look like the students I honestly don't know the answer to this. It's just so, it's so much that goes into it. I could say talent is talent. Leadership is leadership to be able to do an effective and efficient job to be able to produce a quality band program that has no color or that has no look to it per se. Now I think that we should go a little bit further into how present or how much is it, how much is the culture infiltrated into the idea if we're talking about bands in general, or more specifically, HBCU bands. Because like Brown was saying, like right now we're seeing a switch into where more, it's more than just black people, black students in these bands. It's becoming more and more prominent and relevant. So backwards, are we asking the same thing? Is it disingenuous for them to be a part of the band? Is it disingenuous for, um, oh boy, that we talked about like two weeks ago, um, DM from Alabama State, is it disingenuous for him to be a, 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 a drum major? At a, in an HBCU band program, I think it's just, I don't know, there's too, there's so many sides in it. Now, what I will say is, do I think that someone, like Brown said, who has not experienced and doesn't quite understand on a personable level the things that the students of an HBCU band program will experience, potentially will experience, or have gone through, but I think that that's where the support of your staff comes from, right? If the head happens to not be Black or whomever, who's not to say that you cannot familiarize yourself with an effective staff who can pick up where you lack. And that's where it comes to kind of the, the ups and downs of having an effective band program, of having persons who have their strengths and being able to pivot or delegate when not. 
So is it disingenuous? Not necessarily because at the end of the day, talent is talent, knowledge is knowledge. But again, it's going to be hard to implement at some point when that band program stands on the field, somebody's going to say, oh, look at this person trying to be like the black people. Or the first thing people are going to say is black people can't have nothing. Oh, it's gentrification in the HBCU bands. That's that's going to be the response. And I'll just leave it at that. All right, Walt, is it disingenuous to have band directors who don't look like the students? Yeah, I was I was going to agree uh, with both points. Um, I think no, but no in context, right? Um, you can't come to the culture or and when I say the culture, I don't don't mean just the black culture. I mean, the culture of that program and say that I'm going to completely change this program and <clears throat> everything is going to be new. I'm going to take it in a completely different direction. I don't give a damn what you, you know, what, what, what you're saying about it as the student, as the community, as the population that makes up the demographic of whomever you're playing to. Right. Um, like Rick said, he's, he's been drum corps. He's been a member and he's been an instructor and he's not going to take Nick to drum corps because he knows that, that they're not about to get in the stands and blow Nick. Like, you know what I'm saying? You have to know, your audience, you have to know who, you know, the, the demographic. And I think you have to play into that. Now, what I will say, just being real, are you going to have, just like Maya said, are you going to have those, those, those plights or those um, hurdles that you have to give up, get over in your first couple of years? Of course. Um, nobody's going to see you and say, we fucking with you off the back. <laughs> you and you white coming into a black or predominantly black program. It's not going to happen. Um, I think that that could, you know, on, on our end, that could definitely be an issue or something that we may need to look at. But it's just we we call it is, you know, it is what it is. You're going to come into that program having difficulties. It's going to be how you adapt to those difficulties that that is going to say whether you're going to stay or not. I mean, but the other part of that, too, Walter, is we have difficulty coming to our own bands. When we got the PV in 2012, y'all was not fucking with us. You're right. <laughs> y'all had we had to prove ourselves to the band. We know what we're talking about. We care about y'all. We want to make sure that this band moves forward. We're not trying to erase Prof Edwards. That is not what we're here to do. And see, that's and, but that that goes back to what I was talking about, though. Y'all came in, and it's like we it, we we once we weeded out, like Maya said, once we weeded out, you know, certain aspects of it, certain people, we met in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you're not gonna change my program overnight, and we not going to take over and be able to to run you off overnight at the same time. So we had to meet at a common ground. You know, that goes back to having adults versus kids and, right. and being an effective leader as, as far as coming, being able to meet in the middle because we're all sitting at the table talking together on how to progress forward versus talking at each other. But also not being a pushover too, because I that think too. if we would have been pushovers, that would have been just as hard. But I think the question, Walter, is this. Are there any white hbcu band directors or i don't know yeah i was i was just thinking about assistance i don't even know any assistance right because i'm thinking like about another aspect of this that we haven't talked about and that's representation there was a um, conversation not too long ago probably a couple of shows back about how there are now a lot of hispanic people in a lot of these bands you know (laughs) and you know and there being representation on the band staff, you know, for those students, like 
you know, I know that's something that in our community we fight for all the time is having representation, whether it's, you know, in movies or mm-hmm. business or whatever. But, you know, I, I'm sure those people are having those same type of conversations. And I think that in general, our culture, our band culture is is very closed. You know, like I don't think it's even hard if you didn't march at an HBCU, forget conference. Yeah. If you didn't march at an HBCU, yeah, you ain't got no hours. It's gonna be yeah, like it's it's gonna be tight. And you're right, brother. LSU's band director. I know Kelvin rare well. Kelvin is from the boom. Kelvin went to Jackson State, but Kelvin is also a hell of a musician. Music is music. Yep. You know, he and he got his master's from LSU. So yep. he knew the and boom culture. Right. He knew the boom culture and then he got his master's and um from LSU. And now he knows that culture. So I think that's what's beautiful about what we do, Walter, is that we can go from a, a HBCU band to a show sure. on the white band, and all the concepts are the same. Good sound, sure. good sound, good marching is good marching. And it's I'm, way I'm, more difficult to, for them to come to us. Yeah, but, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that comment that posted earlier because I, agree. I, I don't I disagree think too. You you and, and I, I'm not sure where you march, my brother. But coming into us, I know for sure coming into the SWAT conference, we none of us would really initially accept a white band director. I don't I can't see it being welcome. We don't even accept new band directors that's not from our programs so very well. You know what I'm saying? But just like y'all just talked about, it was it was a it was a you know. A fight. We, we fight. yeah, we had to we had to get that familiarity right with y'all as being black, a whole black staff coming from a different conference. So you know, coming a white dude coming into our band, how that would have that would have definitely went a, a bit of a different way. I mean, like keep it in house. The alumni, if you change one note, if you change one chord, if you change right. one count, the alumni I'm like what the fuck. This is not how we did it in my day. Da, 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 da. Like, now nah, y'all, y'all trying to lose tradition and this, that, and the third. We're not even accepting of our own programs when things that we are not familiar with are changed. So, absolutely, you want to take take it to the next level of a new whole new band director. And he not skin folk, child, please. No, it's not going to be, come on, baby. Come on to this side. We welcome you. They're going to be looking at him like, oh, why is you here? Like, what is this man doing? Like, who sent him? What is he about to do? I totally disagree with that. All right, cool. Uh, I think we had some some great uh, responses to all these topics. We got some guests coming in, so all right, here we go. So let's go ahead. Welcome, Kari, to the show. Hey, how we going? Chapter brother. Yeah, what's going on, y'all? So Kari is a prime example of this conversation we have. When I got into DCI, I was looking up to people like Kari. I remember seeing that black dude in the blue that was like, like, who is that dude, man? Like playing the high notes and marching around the field. And then my first year in drum corps, meeting Kari and seeing a brother in a position of leadership and, and having representation. My Kari was on staff with us and Daryl Pemberton was the caption head. Two, two brothers on staff. So imagine being one of only black people in the room and seeing that representation. I think Carl, I think your perspective on this would be would be awesome, man. What do you what do you think, bro? I mean, I I truly I mean I remember that myself. Exactly what you did say there. 
you know, and um, it's it's important, you know, to go ahead and see, you know, certain people, you know, in in those spaces. Like, actually, I remember there was one year it was myself, Daryl Pemden, um, Gary Armstrong, yeah, Lennox, yeah, uh huh, and then um, Brad, Brad. I mean, he's a cool, he's a cool dude. He's, he's white, he's a white man, but he's cool in the fan. Of course, everybody knows him, you know. So, um, thing is that we went ahead and we were we didn't we went into a judging thing, and they thought we were the uh. The truck drivers that we, they couldn't have that we could not be good instructors that they saw the product on the field and everything like that but the thing is that oh yeah they saw us and they were like oh obviously now now the the core is sending in these 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 truck drivers you know and and that really that kind of hurt a little bit because at first it was like at first you could just think about it oh yeah you know like um it's it's really just the fact that we went ahead and you know like they haven't seen a lot of black people whatever else do their thing but then it even went further than that that since everybody played along with it you know like every single person in that that was there the other judges they just went ahead and they were like yeah you know obviously they can't they can't do this and then actually after we left they had a conference there was no apology no nothing i remember this very very well and that, I mean, I, 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 that was what, 15 years ago, you know, and I'm, it's not, I'm not going to forget it and I can't forget it, but, um, is it disingenuous to have band directors? I, I do remember as you guys were talking, I mean, I'm not sure it's still at Albany State University because I, I'm also a member of Phi Mu Alpha, um, there's a yeah, there um there's a there was a, a a white man who did teach there but the thing is as you guys were talking about there was a also there were people like jesse walker things like that that surrounded him you know with and that could go ahead and if he, if he was going away that they didn't agree with he could go they can reel him back car it's interesting you bring that up though because like at norfolk like even before julian yet my freshman year in norfolk my trumpet professor was white. Dr. Carlson. But yeah, Dr. Carlson was my trumpet professor. The, um, the tuba uh, professor, Dr. Peter Dubow, was white. Our music history teacher was white. All these great musicians in the building would not touch the marching band, bro. Would not come close to it. And Dr. Carlson and Peter Dubow, Dr. Dubow, they were both in the Virginia Symphony and wouldn't even come and do a master class. So I think... I think that's I think the question definitely holds Mary though, because the fact of the matter is they're not trying to be involved with us. People go to U of H, they go to North Texas, they go to UT. Ain't one of them students saying, Man, I can't wait to graduate to be a band director at PV. They don't even apply. All the years I was there, bro, we never had even so much as had one of them even express interest. And then you have the bands like these brothers on the side was talking about. Where and Walter brought it up too. If you ain't an alumni of this school, you probably not gonna be a band director at this school because tradition is that important, you know. Right. So it's it's a huge question, bro. That's that's a that's like I think that's a multiple hour conversation, to be honest. It, it is, and, and that's why I, I kind of started off. It's very broad right now, but we're gonna we're gonna start snipping pieces as we go on. Uh Car, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carl. No, I was just. Oh, I, truly, I truly believe that the whole thing behind um, 
really when it comes to um, what I was talking about earlier with the whole comment of I, I equivalate, I equivalate, I mean, so this is kind of going to Maya. Um, I equivalate the whole thing with um, having um, the young women, you know, like dressing however they do, you know, like, and doing the thing, the sexualized things they do with uh, youth pageants. Um, the, why I said that is because I'm sorry, you know, I know that probably, I probably should, be, probably should be cussing on here. I'm not going, I'm going to do my best. That's not right. You know, like that is not right. Be having your baby all dressed up, all jacked up like that. But that's what we're doing. And then all of a sudden we expect people to go ahead and go forward into what, what they and exactly what they see. So that's what they're doing. They're producing these things and it's going to get younger and younger and younger and younger. And so when's it going to stop? You know, like and as you spoke about earlier, Maya, yes, it's the leadership who needs to do that. And I mean, I know that, hey, I'm I'm just going to talk about it. I'm not a fan of the movie Drumline, not a fan of it, you know, but there is a good premise behind it. That band director, he did what he was going to do because he knew it was the right thing to do. He was all about musicianship and stuff in comparison to, you know, just turning on the, the, the jukebox. And I agree with, and that's not just what happened and everything. That's why, but like just that big premise and everything, that's it. Not the whole thing, exactly what everything was about. Right. So, All right, Kyra, I appreciate you. Uh, we got a, we got a couple more in here, man, but I appreciate everything you had to okay. say. Bro. Yeah. I appreciate y'all. Talk to y'all later. All right. Thanks for everything, bro. Check you out. Oh, six. Yes, mess, mess. All right, six. All right, uh, there we go. What's going on, Dara? Man, what's up with y'all, man? What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, man? I'm Darrell. I'm uh, Darrell, you coming on here to cuss me out, bro? Maybe, maybe. maybe. <laughs> I was gonna say, you the, you the one that in the comments with all the issue? Hey, like, yeah, you know, you know how we do. Uh, yeah, you good, bro? What's going but on? Look, I'm, Real quick, uh, I'm Durrell. I'm, I'm one of the hosts on Crucial Conflict, man. And I want to say y'all doing y'all doing a, a pretty good show, man. I like I love to see, you know, other shows, you know, that that's doing some of the same things we do, trying to keep trying to keep the that band life, that band culture alive. So uh, appreciate y'all having the show. But uh, y'all have some great topics, man. Uh, the la- the last topic that y'all talked about was uh, a white a white director being able to come into you know the the HBCU culture. I'm gonna put it like this. I'm a juke. I'm, I want to sudden if y'all didn't know, if if one of my white juke uh, juke brothers or sisters were to become a band director at Southern, we would accept them because he's a juke or she's a juke, and that's how it is. So that when I put in the comments, it depends on where they come from. Uh, that's what I mean. So if uh, you say you went to Norfolk, if if a white person that went to Norfolk. I believe that Norfolk would accept him. I, I I never went to Norfolk, but I feel like he earned that respect and earned that right to be able to, you know, step into that program and say, I know how this go. I'm not going to change anything. I'm coming in here to, to keep the legacy going. So to that point, I think it, you can do it just to an extent. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to agree with that. Uh, and I, I think that's back what Maya was talking about. She was talking about coming from, you know, that particular program organization. Cause I mean, when, when I, when I crapped the PV, um, well, my sophomore year, my session leader was white. And so yeah. if he was to come, I mean, he was, you know, well known in the band, uh, KK Psy, 
the whole nine yards. So if he mm-hmm. was to come back to Prairie View, um, you know, they he would definitely be accepted. But at Prairie View, if he went, you know, to Norfolk or to Southern or to TSU or wherever, I feel like he would still have that same issue, even though they know he marched in the storm. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. It, it, I think I think you would still have that issue. Well, I know I, my 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 crab my my crab yeah our crab president was white. Some of the the best musicians that come from Southern are white, you know. But I, I don't I I just know as as for Southern, I, it'll be you know it'll be weird, but it'll be accepted. But, but nobody can come into y'all program, man. That's not have y'all ever had a band director that's not a Jew? Never, and it it, it never will be. Um, uh, because it's not right. It, it's you can't come show me how to be a Jew if you ain't a Jew. You know, you you ain't coming from PV and telling me, you know, how to Jaguar rock because you don't know how, you know, and I, I could teach you how, but now I can't respect you because, you know, you know, you're not one of me. And you didn't earn that because you're going to put that S on as a band director. You didn't earn that. So um, I, I, that's that's how that's what I said about that. Uh, y'all had a, y'all had a topic about about the dancers. Um, I, 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 I agree with everything y'all was saying, man, these these young ladies are being, they've been taught this, you know, um, and they only could do what they're taught. I, I feel like if if on a high school level, you know, in, in all these cities and all these different districts and everything, uh, they would have a committee and basically have a curriculum on dancing. And I'm not a dancer. That would be better because um, the, thing, the thing that's happening right now is, let's say Maya, that's your name, right? Maya has a, a dance team, and then I got a dance team. I'm teaching all the basic fundamentals of dancing, but Maya out there, she got the fire uniforms. You know, she doing everything she got to do. These kids can go where they want to go, so they're gonna go over there by Maya and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my thing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it to, I'm gonna do it the way everybody else like it, instead of going and learn the fundamentals and then taking it to college and doing, you know, the way I want to do it. If everybody was on the same page, you wouldn't have that problem. But right now, it's about who the who got the best uniform? Who got the most, you know, shit showing? Uh, you know, coming out the back of them uniform. I mean, and, and it's bad because, like, like uh, one of y'all said, th- there's grown men uh, watching these young ladies, man. And my brother, my brother said his daughter, man. I have two daughters, and my daughter, she admired. She, I'm talking about admires the dancing dolls, but I'm afraid to to put her into dance programs to where she and we we live in the the south so Mardi Gras walking up these streets every day and all these parades and these grown ass men looking at my for you I'd be ready to shoot somebody you did so that's that's so I feel like if it was like a curriculum on a high school level to where it keeps it the basic it would be better I don't know if that if that makes sense uh what you think about it Mike No, it definitely makes sense, but that's the thing. Like right now, the conversation is: is it possible to have both? Right. So in my program, we did fundamental just as well as provide that entertainment factor. Now there are a lot of programs that don't focus on those tangibles, though the, the fundamentals, um, simple turnout, ballet, all those different things. Now, is that going to fix and correct? Still, no, because if the entertainment value is still what's bringing house or bringing the people out. Again, sex sales or what's going to be attracted or, or, or really what's going to get the oohs and ahs is going to continue. So, so I said, um, until somebody is willing to say we don't care about all that, this is what we're going to do in our program. You're going to get 
your cake and you're going to eat it too. And that catches on. I just think, Maya, where do you teach? I do not teach currently. And it's M-A-Y-A. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's and then last thing, man, before I get all of y'all people coming on, you said that um, there's not a band in a swag that sounds better than Prairie View. Yep. What the hell were you smoking when you said that? <laughs> I wasn't smoking none, brother. I don't drink what, or smoke. I knew it was what, I knew it was what, Like what 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 made like where's you where did you get that from? There, but what see, here's, band? The here's the thing, bro. I don't mean to cut you off, but here's the thing. You didn't hear what I said after that. I didn't say that they were a better band. I said as far as timbre and sound is what I was talking about. And before I said that, I prefaced it by saying there's a I, I hate that y'all call y'all selves the kings. I cannot stand that shit, bro. But when you're but, the king, you're the kings. But, exactly. And that's exactly what I said. Y'all have a 30, 40, 50 year tradition of being in the top of the swag. There's no other band in HBCU band, period, that can say RPWI. That. It don't matter. I don't know. I don't know, bro. University of Michigan, Florida State. It's a lot of hey, good. Look, I'm going to put it like this. There is, is, I don't think I can remember a time where PB sounded better than Southern or ever, ever gave Southern an L well, that see, I can remember. That's two different things, though, right? I, and because you, you, you said PV and you named Southern after that. And it's no, going to be this weekend. PV going to travel. They're going to travel to Baton Rouge. And, um, Next week. We're going to yeah. prove you that point again. Well, we'll see. But the fact of the matter is this, bro. As I, I hopefully you can hear me, man, because I know like y'all get triggered when people say anything. It wasn't negative about your band, bro. What I'm saying is from the standpoint of sound, like fundamentals of sound, timbre and all that. In my opinion, TV, PV has a better tamboral sound than every band in the swag. Now, song selection, performance, energy, all that. Cool. Y'all can have that. And they're going to have to prove that when they come there but from a fundamental sound. And then now Bethune-Cookman is in this way. Who, sounds, tried, better than, who, who sounds better than Bethune-Cookman? If, if you play the same song for 15 years, you'll sound good playing them too. Hey, granted. But but hey, but before I get off, guess where that band director at PV went to? Norfolk State North is where he State. got his. Yeah, he graduated yeah, they, from they, they got a, they got a, they got a band director over there that went to Southern, right? He, he, uh, he went to Southern for two years. He graduated from Norfolk State. He graduated and got his master's. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But no, I appreciate you. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you supporting us, man. Keep supporting us. Uh, and uh, I, I definitely got to get over the crucial conflict too. And make sure I, I support you guys too as well. We hey, look, every Thursday at seven o'clock, man. Whenever y'all want to come on, y'all just holler at us. Let us know. Stream y'all is the same thing we use. Gotcha, bro. Appreciate up, bro? it, appreciate it, man. Yeah. All hey, right. somebody tell me where Burger marched. I just want to know. Yeah, burger. Come, I here, you, burger. come on, burger. Burger, I saw you uh in in the uh, video, man. So come back up uh if you're trying to come in real quick. Uh because I definitely saw you in there and then you kind of clicked out and it kind of came back in. So come through. And and for all my southern people, why does it trigger you when anybody says anything positive about another band that is and and critiques it against what Southern does? Nobody's taken away from the greatness of Southern. But what I, that doesn't make what I just said untrue. Tamborally, nobody sounds like PV. Now, Bethune is in the MIAC. Now, PV has a band that tamborally is on the same level and in some cases better. And so is fam. But that's not saying that they're a better band. 
is saying that they value different things than you. When it comes to entertainment value, when it comes to showmanship, everybody knows Southern is at the top of that conversation. And like and like uh, Darrell said, PV, they got a job to do when they go in there this weekend. Yeah, you know that's, uh, that's this weekend. So or what next weekend? Is it this weekend or uh, next weekend? This weekend. No, it's this weekend, the twenty third. Well, weekend. if you going to game, of course not. <laughs> uh, I tell myself I ne- I never go to another game in Mumford. That's true. <laughs> they call him the Jew guy, Robbie. You are right about that, Ruby sister. But uh, no, I, I I mean, I, I will always give Southern this respect. Southern is the only band that, and especially in HBCU, that can, that has a drum major that does absolutely nothing but can come out and do the nothing. exact same thing at the beginning of all of their shows and gets house every single time and has probably the most high school band programs copying after that one style of drum major. So I, I, you know, I definitely respect him for that. Now, I don't know if I can 100% agree on what uh, Rick is saying, but I don't totally disagree. Best in swag, but in compared to Southern, Tamborilia. Yeah. She asked why, I, why I'm not going to the game or why I never go back to Mumford. Well, both is because – I. Mumford is a. I had a bad experience uh, going when they played the boom, maybe in 2014 or 15, one of those years. Um, it's just that that campus is set up horribly, and we ended up getting into the game late because the the tickets are not at the stadium. The wheel call tickets are not at the stadium; they're at the field house, the basketball stadium. Yeah, that, that campus, no disrespect to Southern's campus, but that's that campus. It's trash. It's trash. All right. Uh, so <laughs> real quick, man, if ain't nobody shoot, if ain't nobody coming in, I, I was waiting, trying to wait to see if Burger was gonna come back up. But if Burger, uh, while we do this, if you're gonna come back up, that's all good. Uh let's get through this uh normal thing that we always do. You know how I always start off. We're gonna talk about my LB real quick. Uh we gotta make sure that we support his his season, man. Uh, my LB got some of the best seasoning out there, man. So please make sure you go and pick it up, man. That's all seasoning, a little love seasoning. Please make sure you go pick it up, man. Some of the best seasons you could probably get. He got that lemon pepper. He just dropped that honey butter off again. If you ain't had that honey butter, man, put that in some pancakes. Or, uh, I put it in my pancakes and waffles. Anything sweet you got, some cake, whatever you got, man, go ahead and pick them up, man. He got an assortment of flavors and all different sizes. He got the all, what's it called? Uh, the uh, I can't remember. It's salt. But no salt. He has, he has the options of salt and no salt. There we go. All right. So that's all seasoning a little love. Also, Ricks, go ahead and talk about it real quick. Coming up uh, this week. So this weekend, this weekend in Atlanta, anybody watching from the Atlanta area, um, U.S. Bands is going to be sponsoring a um, the same exact type of show. So show style bands that want to actually – get adjudication where they don't have to change their styles like they have to do a UIL and other things. You can actually be you. You don't have to do a PWI style in order to be adjudicated. And you're getting quality um, adjudicators. I know the band director from Alabama State is going to be one of the judges at this uh, competition. And with the great things his band's doing, he has credibility right now. So, And just in general, you know, he has a doctorate degree and his band sounds good. So um, this weekend in Atlanta, uh, and then next weekend at PV on the campus of Prairie View a 
Um, there we're doing the same type of competition. I'm actually judging that competition. And you can come out, meet me, Julian, and Maya. We're all going to be there. Um, and we're going to do an episode of the show from there, too. And um, yeah, so, yeah, man. So come out and support. And, Julian, I got to ask this question, bro. Can somebody from the SWAT please tell me what MIAC means? Playing MIAC-ish? Does it mean it sounds good? Like, I, I like it's 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 really becoming depressing. Well, I mean, Walter sitting right here. He's yeah. from the SWAT. So <laughs> when we when we when we um would say that, because I've said it before, um, when we would say that we just talk about aggression. It's it's the level of aggression. Um, you get more aggressive play in the SWAT versus the MIAC. It's it's just historically the way it's been. Have you heard Norfolk State 02? Yes. Which so, and, and and we talked about them. We talked about y'all as playing swackish at that point. Really? See that's yes. like that's that's I guess that's that, my thing. You just, you just confused the heck out of me. <laughs> right, and I, I guess like Julie, like we didn't change anything that we but, did between. Those but y'all, y'all were the only y'all were the only band in the MEAC that we knew that played like that. Nobody A&T? else did. No, no, AT never really gave us that 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 but but pal in your Rick, face type shit. But Rick, you gotta also remember AT prior to the well-known AT that everybody knows. Nobody yeah. knew cared or knew about AT during the times when, when we were seeing them, when they were the small band with the big sound, they got this this new version of AT. So yeah. But it's crazy though, bro, because like for them to assume like that O2 band, like I think what makes them say the O2 band and shout out um to my rookie. So hey Robin, you see our rookie dad is in. Shout out to my rookie advisor, Kenny Smith. What's up, bro? But um I think what it is, Julian, honestly, was our trumpet section. Because and I was I was about to say that that yeah. that's really what it was because we honestly back then and and I wasn't I was not yet in college but I I was watching college collegiate right. bands at that point in time and we honestly we compared y'all a lot to Jackson back then as far as trumpet sections because I mean Jackson early two thousands had a top tier trumpet section absolutely and so, I wanted to be trump funk from coming out of high school yeah trump funk until i saw but the i video. think the only reason y'all compared us to trump funk was because we were playing mr adams arrangements too so a lot of that same sound that you were hearing from them you were hearing from us but like i'm gonna be honest with you walter and julian can back me up on this we used to beg dr sanford to let us see southern because yeah. everybody was up there talking all oh, southern this southern that uh all my southern fans i know y'all gonna hate me on this one don't nobody we wanted them, them trumpet sections bro oh no, i agree O two to 09. No O two. No, no, O two to 06. Julian's last year in the band. Yeah, I, I will O2 say O two to 06. Nobody seeing them trumpet sections, man. Oh man, the, the Dizzy's we I mean y'all had a name, you know, yeah. y'all had a name. And 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 I think that's where it came from. You know what I'm saying? Like we we in the swag or in the, I'll say in the south, because like I said, at that at that point in time, I wasn't in college. I was still shit at that point in time, middle school. Yeah. But um, you know, we 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 were from the South standpoint. We was looking at Swack as being being those aggressive bands, like like you said, you brought up a thing, you brought up Fam, because because Fam was on top back then. Right. Um, you know, we even going back to like Hampton and Howard, which nobody even really, you know, we don't even really discuss them. Um, and they were in the MIAC at that point in time. Um, they used to run the MIAC. Yeah, and that's you know, what I'm saying. Like we talk about that. Yeah, we we never we never really viewed even that 
coast as being what we did here. And so to to hear Norfolk and and this is again back before YouTube and back before, you know, before clips was really a thing, right. you know, I think I think we saw Norfolk at a Honda. And that's what really, you know, for the South really put y'all on, to be honest. Like oh, yeah, we, we never really we never really heard Norfolk before then because we was from the South. So we was used to seeing PV and TSU and Southern and Jackson and Graham. But we didn't we knew nothing about Norfolk into that into that Honda. Yeah, we, we are do that. And 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 just to kind of you know say this too, man, I, I give a lot of respect to or, or I'm gonna agree with what Rick said because I give a lot of respect to my high school crab brothers, Justin and Brian, who ended up going to Southern Man. When I used to talk to them, uh one of the things that, that they used to give us a lot of props on was the Dizzy Act section. You know, and and I I'm I don't have any problem with saying this and, and Justin or uh Brian, because I see B Diggs on, on Facebook all the time. Uh, but, um, you know, he would always say that he would have loved to have gotten me up at, at, uh, Southern, uh, with all, with all those Southern guys, man. And, and, and playing with them. Cause you know, I was, I was a certain type of player when I was in high school. So, you know, I, I, I definitely agree, man. I, I can definitely agree with you, Rick, on that, on, on the Dizzies. I think that that did help Norfolk kind of stand out a little bit. It really did. Cause I mean, honestly, Past the dizzies, we wasn't really checking for any other sections like that. Honestly, like the trombones was eating, bro. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying they weren't. I'm not saying they weren't. What I'm saying is, they, we from from a cultural standpoint, it really checked out the dizzies because it was like, damn, like they doing shit that we know bands here can't even do. And so I mean, that that's really what put them on that map. I mean, and you know, like. Cause when I got there, like man, I'm I don't I don't mean to make the show long. When I got there in 2000, the Dizzies wasn't playing like that. I was like, you let them young boys tell it; they think I was the first screamer, but I was the first one doing it in like in the manner that they, it became. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause there were screamers before me. There was K2, uh, who was a female screamer, got one of the fattest double G's you ever heard. Um, Aunt Kevin Wallace, all these great trumpet players that and um. Tom Tom, like all these Tony B, all these people that came before us, but we were the first one to bring that sound consistently to the band. I remember Julian, it was right before you got there at Pep Band, we started taking PYT the whole song up, and that's what started it. So then in uh 01, I mean, uh, yeah, in 02, when Julian got there, it was like, Man, we we actually got something on our hands here. But like this brother said in the comments, oh one was definitely the band that put Norfolk on the map from a trumpet perspective. And so much so that like when we went to Mardi Gras in 03, it was a, a bunch of Southern guys following the band during the parade, talking mad trash. So Doc stopped the band. We were under this tunnel. I'll never forget it. And we faced all these Southern people and played before I let go. And we took the whole song up. We didn't take nothing down. And it was just to be like, not only can we play half crazy and all these songs that have musicality and shaping and all that stuff, but if we need to get down in the dirt, we can. Think about Norfolk that was our downfall. We had no book. We played the same songs every, every game. That sounds familiar to me. All right. Uh, Real quick, though, let let me finish uh, getting into all the, the... 
promotions and stuff. Uh, last thing, when we uh, did last show, uh, Quan had a, a, a amazing hoodie on, and so we went and found the information and exclusively exclusively HBCU. Um, this is a, a sister who is a soror of Tall Beta Sigma, and she uh, does paraphernalia for fraternities, sororities, and also HBCU uh, programs. So check them out. It's exclusively HBCU.com. Definitely has a lot of great gear over there. Go check them out. Uh, we always want to make sure that we're supporting. We're always want, we always want to make sure that we are uh, promoting as much content, or excuse me, not content, but uh, things that we can that is, is from our communities. And also, we, we might get a couple of things outside of our community, but we want to make sure that we always support our communities. All right. Uh, oh, Walt, you about to say something? Okay. All right. Guess we about to get on out of here. Uh, if you're staying around for the after party, you are more than welcome to do that. Uh, but I want to make sure that we are mindful of other people's time. I know a lot of you all are, are sitting in here, and that's all good. Uh, but we do have the after party coming up. Uh, I might go get a little sippy sip. I don't know yet. But before we get out of here, uh, Walt, anything? Oh, man, Walt, man, appreciate you coming through today, man. I, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we gotta get you on more, man. Hey, I'm in, man. You got for the culture. Uh, I just want to say I appreciate y'all, man. Um, I love y'all. Uh, I think what y'all doing is amazing, man. I, I think if we would have had something like this growing up, uh, in the culture, um, we definitely would have tuned in, and I think we would have got better perspective or different perspectives, um, than just seeing one different type of mindset or one different one type of style or you know what it is so i man i i think i'm proud of y'all uh i think this is an amazing podcast which is why i try to tune in as much as i can um i know how hard it is you know trying to get a podcast out there so definitely definitely kudos y'all i appreciate you and thank you again for having me yeah bro bro anytime uh rick anything you got for the culture yeah, man. Um, first off, y'all just ask for everybody, all the talk that talk family. I ask you for your prayers, man. I told y'all a few weeks back, my family was really going through. I uh, lost my cousin two weeks ago, and my dad lost his oldest brother two days ago. So um, keep us in your prayers, y'all. I really appreciate it, man. The love and support I got from talk that talk family and friends is was it truly helped, man. And uh, rest in peace to my uncle AB, man. Um, Number two, um, it's UIL season, as Julian stated at the beginning of the show. If you truly love HBCU band culture in a positive way, go back and support some of our band programs, y'all. Whether it's just volunteering some time, working with a trumpet player or a mellophone player, whatever that may be. The only way our bands are going to be better is if we help make our bands better. Hopefully the band directors of these programs want your help. Because I want to see my program flourish, I, and I want to see all Black people flourish. And the only way that's going to happen is if we support one another. Uh, I want to thank all the um, people that called in tonight, man. Like, great commentary there. It was actually good to talk to a member of the juke that actually um, it can also, you know, articulate why he feels that way other than just telling him I'm supposed to feel that way because he tells me to. So cool uh, to that, Darrell and, um, and Kari, man. I say it again, bro. Help, thank you for helping me save my own life. And finally, y'all, um, support black business, man. Support black people. You know, support everything black, whether it's it's business, whether it's, you know, just our inspiration and aspirations as a community, man. Support one another. 
and let's uplift the race together. All right. Good, Ma. Uh, you knew it was covered. Maya. <laughs> I mean, just as always, we need to put our money where our mouth is, put our efforts towards what we want to see in the culture and our own bands and other bands as well. I mean, definitely, I see the numbers are growing. The conversation is getting deeper and deeper as it continues to do so week over week. Um, if you can, go out to Atlanta this upcoming weekend and next week, come out and say hello to us. Um, whether you are a fan of PV or whomever, whomst, if you are a fan of band, if you're a fan of music, if you're a fan of the art, then you should be showing your support regardless of what it's shaped under. Um, thank y'all for sticking with me. The sickness is starting to set in, so my, 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 my energy is powering down. But as always, can't wait to do it again next week. Uh, we'll be up and running in. What is, is Rick talking? He is, but yes, while he's on mute, while, while, while Maya, I, I can't let you make it with that Texan that Texas sweatshirt. You, <laughs> you lost me with that Texan sweatshirt. So I only have this because when I was still in Houston, my job we had to wear like that was part of their ooh, let's camaraderie, blah, 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 wear your Texan stuff. You know, it's Dallas Cowboys all day, but let's get I just had to throw uh, some on real quick. DC file. But come meet, come meet me, Maya and Julian next week, y'all. We love to say hi. We love to give you a fist bump. I ain't shaking nobody's hands. All right, sorry. Um, I'm gonna hit you with the elbow. What's good? <laughs> but uh, come meet us next week, man. I love to hear y'all cuss me out in person, but be nice. <laughs> All right, but come on out and meet us next week. All right, and uh, I'm definitely gonna say, man, I appreciate everybody for coming through, man. Um, I, I really appreciate everybody for supporting the program, supporting the network, supporting all of this, man. We're going to keep it going. We're going to try to keep making sure that we are giving you all good content every single time, man. And and uh, appreciate Crucial Conflict for coming through, man. Appreciate you, Darrell. Uh, we're going to we're going to support you just as you are supporting us, man, because I think yeah, that, that the community is what matters, man. The community is what matters. And, and I think that that's one thing that we need to continue to always do is support one another, man. Uh, so appreciate everybody for coming through. Appreciate every person who called in. Appreciate all your comments, man. Please like, uh, share, subscribe to the network, man. Like I say, we got a lot of stuff coming up, and, and I definitely want everybody to be a part of it. Also, please, I truly appreciate a lot of Norfolk State being in here. Uh, a lot of Norfolk State was in here. 2000. So 2000. Old to Norfolk State, everybody. I, look, man, I don't care what year. you If you if you were Norfolk State, man, I'm always going to show love. So behold uh, to all of you guys. Uh, and then uh, I saw Michael say something, man. You don't got to be one of the things that I'm I'm always going to say is, I, you know, I'm an educator. Uh, Rick is an educator. Mario's an educator. Quan is an educator. But, you know, at the same time, Maya is a dancer and she still is a, you know, has a musician's background. Right. So and and even Walt, Walt has a musician's background, but he's not an educator. But with all that being said, you know, everybody has a voice. My biggest thing is, yes, he works for the fire department. Uh, my biggest thing is, is that whenever you can, uh, or whatever you have to say, just stand on your square, be able to hold your own and be able to, to back up all of the information that you say. We are not going to let you just come in and just talk just because you want to hear your mouth. Right. Because that's just not how we're going to rock. We're going to rock by you being able to support your argument. And that's what we stand on. All right. So if you want to come in and you got something to say, I'm going to always support that. All right. Uh, Y'all don't leave. We talking shit after this. So stay on if you want to jump on here with us. And mama, I saw you, boy, Julian. It's a special day, boy. Two, both of my rookie advisors are in this oh call right God. now. Man. All right, man. We we know. You're going to start crying. Dang. 
No, big soft. <laughs> All right. Anyway, man. But yeah, uh, if, if you want to stick around and, and actually have some more conversations with us, we. We actually talk about a lot of other stuff besides band and music education, all that kind of stuff. So you can stick around for the after party. I'm, you are more than welcome to do so. Other than that, let's go ahead and close it out. You guys are awesome. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in to Talk That Talk. Find us on social media outlets and YouTube at Real Talk That Talk. Talk That Talk is a brand of the Passion Is Network. You can contact Passion Is at passionis1919 at gmail.com. If you would like to contact the panel of Talk That Talk, email us at realtalkthattalk at gmail.com.